Hello and welcome to Wrestling with Statistics, the only podcast that focuses on wrestling through the unique lens of statistics and analytics. Today I am your host, Craig from ProWrestlingMusings.com, um, and I am a man who can say statistics properly, not like the two Americans that you had last week who both seem to say statistics. Uh, anyway, joining me today is Hit the Books and um, Wrestling with Statistics, very own Ryan Knightsey. Ryan, how are you doing after that accent assassination? Well, I feel like auto- automatically I'm aghast. A- a- a I am uh, dumbfounded by this this assault of words or lack thereof pronunciations of of words that's coming from you. The vitriol that's coming this way, Craig, all the way you're mailing it in. From Scotland to Georgia and all this, St- am I not? Have, did I not say it properly, correctly last week? It's it's well, I've all I've often noticed it with you, but then when you when you had um, a fellow American on last week, um, it was he was also saying statistics um, without you know just I don't know, um, just kind of pushing forward the America America's constant. Um, kind of wrecking of the English language, not only through kind of taking words with rich kind of linguistic histories and turning them and being like, oh, but that that's a little bit too complicated. Let's replace it with sidewalk or, you know, these kind of things. Camper van. I think you just summarized like America in general, not just our linguistics in general. Like, I feel like you were just like, yeah, America just sort of takes what it wants changes it however it feels like it and just sort of abuses it in general (laughs) i think that's you just described america uh yeah you know uh statistics i try to i'm trying to think of how i say it that's 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 better well now i got the thing in my head where i'm thinking about me saying it i'm trying to say it without your influence you know what i mean so I'm in a whole boot. But besides besides my lack of pronunciation, I'm doing fairly fine. You know, it's been a while uh, since, you know, since we've done a show together on this show. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad we're back. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not going to hold up forever. I'm going to be gone next week. But, you know, <laughs> you know, at least we get one in. Yeah. Um, and I, I have to say, well, I'm quite pleased with my, myself kind of growing up as a person as in that I, I listened to to the podcast last week and was just like really, really quite pleased at how, how good it was and like quite impressed with how good it was. Um, you know, I, it wasn't the kind of insecure thing of like, you know, darn these guys, they're making me look bad type things. Like, oh, it's really good. That's that's great. It's a great way to, uh, you know, be, you know, obviously you're, you're providing the data and stuff, but it's a great way for, I imagine for you, and for me, when I was when I'm going to be gone next week, and when I was gone a couple weeks ago, uh, it's a great way to step outside of the, yourself in the show and sort of like from a third party perspective look at it, you know, and be like, well, what what is this good? You know, is it? I feel like we do a great show. I really enjoy what we put on, and uh, I think I guess thank you for the compliment about last week as well. But yeah, I I really like the show a lot, and I'm I'm so excited we get to do it again. So. Um... When when we've had other people on, when um, Mags was on, and then when Rob was on, and you even did a little bit of it, of it last week with Mikey kind of treating us the guest. Um, so I thought we'd kind of flip it on its head. Um, so Ryan, I'm going to treat you like you're kind of just the, uh, the kind of the new person on. 
So I'd like to. St- so we've kind of spoken a little bit about how um, I'm a teacher because you're polite and stuff and do the kind of polite person questioning thing, which I'm going to try out here rather than just kind of setting myself up for opportunities <laughs> to talk at length. Um, so Ryan, you you work. You say you work in film. What what does that mean? Is that the glitz and glamour of Hollywood, or are you kind of just like following people around on the street trying to discover? Um, funny moments to send into a like a kind of you've been framed style TV program. Uh, uh, ultimately, it's whatever I get hired to do. Uh, honestly, I so I've only been technically in the film business for two years uh, now. Uh, you know, I graduated college, got a degree in film. I think my my degree is technically film and moving image. Uh, you know, BS with or yeah my fun fact i got a bs in film you would think it would be a ba oh do you not do you know what bs is in ba i don't know if it's different in in europe uh, B, ba is so i have a ba i have a ba which is bachelor of education i um, bachelor of arts bachelor of science okay yeah. i have a bachelor of science degree in filmmaking so film is science not arts and uh, my school correct I think I think the argument is uh, my school teaches you more about like the job of being on a film where other schools will teach you like, you know, what does it mean to create art of film? Mm-hmm. So I think that's the difference. But yeah, I got my degree in filmmaking. In fact, I got my a concentration in producing. But, you know, a- entering the film sphere, obviously, it's all about connections. So basically what I just do every time when I'm on set, I get try to get hired. Uh, and when I'm on usually hired, when usually the entry level position is a production assistant, a PA. So basically I'm the guy that goes around and asks everyone if they need a bottled water and I give it to them. Um, but you know, it's entry level besides that, you know, I've been, I've, you know, I've done worked on a bunch of, I've done work. I've worked on a bunch of shows. Uh, I've worked on shows that have aired on ABC aired on NBC, you know, the, the Titan games, uh, that's hosted by Joanna oh, Rock really? Johnson. Yeah, well, I've, I've I've seen that. Yeah, um, great TV and, show. Um, the, the, so so did how, what does so when you say you've worked on these shows, what like what is the experience of that? Are you are you meeting the kind of like the obvious question from an outsider? Is you are you meeting the kind of people that we're gonna you know? Are you meeting people whose names we will know type thing? Um, that's a great question. Uh, for let's say for example for Titan Games, um. I was a script PA, uh, which was basically my job was I watched, I had a board, a TV monitor in front of me that had live feeds from 16 cameras. And I had to and, and watch two of those cameras for the pre and post interviews. So basically, whenever a contestant got interviewed, I would write down exactly what they're saying. Um, okay. I did, in fact, meet Dwayne The Rock Johnson because at one point I had I was in a room where we were doing his pre-interview, like his intro interview uh, Mm -hmm. into the show. And so I was able to meet him and shake his hand and whatnot. You when you're in those sort of did you did you manage that and kind of maintain like composure? um, No, like all of your bones. Yeah, uh, yeah, he didn't rip my skeleton out from my handshake, um, which is that's, very that's, thankful because, you know, I health insurance and whatnot. But 
uh, yeah, uh, I was very thankful for Dwayne to, you know, withhold his power there. But yeah, I mean, like in most jobs at the entry level position, you're not really meeting the big celebrities because they're always like, you know, for instance, Titan Games, The Rock was at his spot. Then when it was his time to go on camera, he would drive over to set, walk on stage, do the bit, then he would leave. Um, And so you rarely see him. In fact, we were actually told that we can't stop him and take pictures with him and take selfies with him because Dwayne The Rock Johnson's too nice of a person that he will take the photo. And if he's taking taking everyone's photo, then we're not going to get anything done. Um, And that's like another thing that I have in my brain is that when I'm on set, you know, I talk about composure. When I'm on set, I've, you know, like I've seen The Rock, right? I mean, that's insane. Mm -hmm. I've, you know, I saw Adam Scott, who was on ABC's Don't Game Show. Uh, I've seen other people that are quite famous. And when I'm on set, I just don't, I like the blinders, the work blinders go on where it's just like, oh, they're normal people. I have a job to job to do because ultimately the people I'm trying to impress are the producers and other behind the scenes people. uh, And I'm trying to get under their good graces so that I can ensure that I get another job down the line because this is a whole gig economy where it's all about the next job and next job, next job. I'm sure that would be... Go Sorry. ahead. No, I was going to I was going to say slowly that obviously that has all been halted yeah. because of the pandemic. And I'm sure that's like that'll be like a a trip trip up that a lot of people in your position would fall into like getting distracted or overawed by the kind of uh, the the names mm-hmm. to distill it perhaps a little bit too much they're kind of the dis- being distracted by trying to get a photo or whatever. I mean, yeah, I 100% would have loved to have a photo of doing the Rock Johnson. But when, mm-hmm. at least, and obviously I'm speaking on my behalf, but for me, I n- understand. And, and also it's like when you see him in person, you're like, oh, this is just this is a person. And like, I understand that, like, yeah. I am in a weird way when you're on like a production set, you're sort of like one of the cogs in the wheels. And if you're distracting the main host and also I think The Rock is an executive producer on the show. So if you're distracting a mm-hmm. producer from doing his job, then we're halting the whole production. So it's like, I can't, part of my job is I can't fraternize with the celebrities or the whole show gets pushed back, which means more money and overtime that has to be paid, um, which means I might not get hired back. So basically it's like, it's people that, so a lot of people might be like, oh God, it's The Rock, but to ensure that you go on to the next job, which is what this whole thing is about, you have to put all that aside, uh, which is very frustrating when, again, you're meeting Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very, very, very. Right, very quickly, this just so we can move on to the actual statistics. Um, yeah. Favorite wrestling match, which oh. I'm sure you'll know. Favorite wrestling match. It's it's. I love that you bring this up because we're talking about favorites and stuff. I've talked about in the past how I've had, I've created a document for myself that... Uh, creates like tells me who my favorite wrestler is based off of previous matches. So of all of 2020, I can like look through and say what is my favorite match of 2020. And obviously, like I've only do- been doing this system for a bit, so I haven't like you know my entire history of watching wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm trying to think of it all. Let me let me pull up the my my document here in front of me to give me. Highlights. Another reason why I do all these things, Craig, is that I have a terrible memory system. 
So I'm like, I'm trying to remember like what matches I really see, I've seen, I really enjoyed. Uh, that's part of the issue. I really, uh, in terms of 2020, I mean, according to this, one of my favorite matches that I can distinctly remember is, um, what was it? It was the, I think it was the Ibushi Okada match from this past mm -hmm. yeah. Wrestle Kingdom. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily my favorite match of all time, but that match, you know, right off the bat is one of my favorites. Um, and I, I just think that match was just great. And obviously going into Naito right after that, that's just, that match is pure storytelling where the match previous of Ibushi was pure, you know, technical wrestling skill, um, which is something I, I guess I've noticed that I, uh, that I prefer more uh, is like more of the wrestling than the story aspect sometimes. Um, favorite match. Hmm. This isn't, it's not necessarily my favorite technical match. Cause that one, I really have to like dive deep and think about, but one of my favorite matches that I can think of when I, like being excited for and seeing this, you know, seeing the story built up of over years, um, and seeing it all take place was the first, I believe, the first. I think it was the WrestleMania 25 of Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. Uh, the one where, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels comes out dressed like a white uh, mm -hmm. angel yep. with the full Undertaker get up in all white. Um, and, you know, the dead man does that insane suicide dive over the top rope and basically lands mm -hmm. on a cameraman who I believe was actually Sean Spears. Fun fact. Um, oh, really? I believe that's true. Uh, you know, and basically landing his neck. I remember being so excited for that match because they've been sort of teasing it for years, a match, be a singles match between Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. And then when they finally get to it, it's, you know, it's the, you know, the twilight years of Shawn Michaels career. It's, not necessarily yet the twilight years of undertaker, even though he's in the business, I think for a little bit longer, but, uh, but he could still go at the time. So I remember like distinctly remembering like that match. And of course his other matches, like I remember Batista undertaker. One of my favorite matches I think about all the time is, uh, is Rey Mysterio versus great Kali. Um, obviously these are all WWE things. Obviously I love new Japan and other things, other matches as well. Um, but you know, these are the things that when it comes to, I guess, favoritism, these are the things, the moments <laughs> that stick out of my brain, uh, a Rey Mysterio, great, great call. I should say, I believe that was just a, that was one of the first SmackDown matches I've ever seen in my life. And I was a fan of Rey Mysterio is like him coming back. I think from his Chava Guerrero feud from his knee injury, and they're hyping up great Kali. And the whole premise of the match is obviously big man versus small man, but they were hyping up the finisher of great Kali, which was the mm -hmm. uh, vice grip. And so what they did was that great Kali gets the vice grip on Rey Mysterio. And because Rey Mysterio is so small, they're giving off the impression that he's great. Kali is squeezing Rey Mysterio's head, which you know, because Rey Mysterio's head is so small or whatever, it's crushing his head and mm -hmm. like spurts of blood pops from Rey Mysterio's mouth. And I remember as a young child watching wrestling for the first time, I was, and being a fan of Rey Mysterio, uh, I was terrified. I was like, this, 
monster is just damaging this this hero mm. of mine. Uh, and now I think about that. Now I compare that to Rey Mysterio also doing a thing where he gets his eye gouged. Rey Mysterio has gone through a lot of things in his career. Now that I think about it, oh man. But yeah, this is not really. That wasn't really a good answer, Craig. But you know, that, that's the answer no, I got for you. It's different, different, different is good. Um, okay, so uh, we're gonna kind of move along into the main body of the show. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna start off by looking at something that um, has keeps keeps like coming up uh, for me when I'm looking at these kind of um, statistics and comparing wrestlers to each other. We're gonna have a look at um, the impact that time has, like the length of match, the amount of time that a wrestler has wrestled has on the kind of the the amount of offense that they're getting in their their rate of offense. Okay. Um. So in in the show notes and in the video version, you should be able to find, or you'll be pre presented with um the relationship between ring time and offense per hour kind of rate. And the reason it's offense per hour instead of per match is because obviously matches differ in length, so it's supposed to kind of um flan things out. Um, however, what I kept feeling when I was putting these things together um, was that shorter matches tended towards wrestlers having a faster um, per, per hour mm. offense rate um, and longer matches reduced it because in longer matches, wrestlers are selling for longer. So, you know, they're on the ground. The Undertaker Shawn Michaels one is actually a really good example because I think after that dive out of the ring where he like, lands on his neck, like not there's a lot of kind of them going down after big moves and like yeah i think the undertaker is just resting yeah. essentially i mean he that um, was an awful dive an awful catch by sean spears or whoever it was so he was probably yes. knocked loopy for a second yes uh absolutely so um and and the the graph the graph does kind of show that it's not to the extent that i thought it would um, but we do we do have a a negative correlation between um, the length of ring time and offense rate per hour. So it is showing that the longer a wrestler is in the ring, um, the the less likely they are of having a particularly fast offense rate per hour because it, it it will be those those times where they're lying on the ground to sell a. Uh, a big move after like being mm -hmm. in the ring for such a long time it is obviously kind of um kind kind of harming almost harming these numbers if you get what i mean yeah um, what so. what what's your kind of what 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 kind of springs to mind upon um being presented with this kind of data ryan well that and I, the data sort of uh uh correctly agrees with that theory right of you know if you have a short short match you know if you have you know obviously in, in aew when we say a short match they do have time limits on these matches for the most part so you know if you have a 15 minute match and wins matter and you want to get more wins and you're let's say darby allen you want to get a win and you you know you want to go out there and sprint and try to make sure you get give in as much offense as you can to hopefully get the win there. Um, maybe Darby's not the greatest example because of how Darby sort of wrestles, but the idea is still the same that, you know, if you have a long sprint of a 15 minute match, then you're going to want to get there and 
you know, sprint it up, get as much offense. If you're someone that is in there for 30 minutes, you're in a title match. If you're in the rare 60 minute or whatever, then uh, you're, you know, for the most part, you're going that length. I mean, I can't even remember even like New Japan history. I can't really remember many matches where it's like a 60 minute uh, time limit and they only go for 10. Um, you know what I mean? I can't I can't exactly remember things like that. And and part of that, obviously, you know, coming out of kayfabe is the idea of like, hey, if this is a world title match, you want to make it meaningful. You want to make it last and mm. important for the audience. And that just draws out the drama a little bit. But when it comes to the numbers here, yeah, I mean, it's very interesting. There are obviously, there's some ones I pick up on, like those sort of outliers to the right of the graph with Cody Rhodes and Moxley, who are constant outliers here. Um, Cody Rhodes, obviously, and Moxley getting way more ring time than anybody else in this entire promotion. Um, and yeah, quite significantly in the case of Cody. And they're maybe in the half, maybe latter half of offense per hour. Um, obviously, yeah, that you know they have a lot more ring time, but they're not. Mm-hmm. They're not going out there. And even if some matches obviously are sprints for Cody and Moxley, I don't. I don't. I don't know if there's a what the time limit is on TNT title matches. If there is one, I presume there is one. Um, I th- I think I think it's twenty minutes. I think they said. Um, kind of whilst establishing the uh, the challenge that th- this title would have a twenty minute time limit, and that would be standardized. I think I, I don't think I've just made that up. I mean, I believe you. Even even if it's twenty minutes, it could be fifteen or twenty minutes because even then, Cody, a lot of those matches have been mm-hmm. like 10, 11, 12 minutes. Yeah, they're they're kind of from writing down the times at the end of them. They seem to come in at like ten to fourteen minutes. Yeah, I mean, he's not he's not really he's not really selling a lot or however, however you look at that, I guess. But yeah, I mean, a lot of those people are not Cody Rhodes, Moxley, Guevara. I mean, Darby is a weird one there, but a lot of those people, they have high ring times, but they're still like middle of the pack, bottom half of the pack. Um, Who's, I mean, who's, who do we got? That's very far back. I mean, there's also the idea of like comparing to like Cody to Adam page. It was eight minutes of ring time, mm-hmm. which I probably will guess is just one match in 2020. Yeah, he had his first one-on-one match last week, as it happens. Mm-hmm. I, uh, really? Oh, yeah, because he was against five. He was against mm-hmm. Alan Angels. Um, yeah, I mean, my big takeaway here is that I, I, think it, I, I think it makes sense. You know, the less ring time you're in or, you know, within the time limit as well, the, the more offense you're going to try to put in, you want to ensure victories. I mean, that's what the whole idea of wins mattering comes from, right? Is that mm-hmm. you want to get the win because if you get a win here, then you're probably going to get a title match down the line. I mean, obviously there's, again, some Darby-ness happening in the past week, but Darby came back from injury, you know, won his... I guess in a way won his feud with Brian Cage. So he gets a title shot, I guess. Um maybe that's not the greatest example. Um but yeah, I mean yeah, I, I think it makes sense. The more the less ring time you have, the more offense you put in. I think that makes sense to me at the very least. What do you think, Craig? Um so in terms of in in terms of like out with K it makes sense that you can't 
you can't have a five minute match and then people like lying down for 20 seconds after mm -hmm. move. It's certainly, it's certainly, I mean, unless it's like Wardwell with that big knee thing and um, that you're kind of selling a finisher, but like, um, it, it, you know, he, first strike battle in the match and then they're on the ground for ages. It doesn't, it doesn't, it kind of spoils the magic of wrestling. You're not, people aren't being worn down in that kind of idea. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of like going out with kayfabe, if it's like a, um, sorry, within that getting tangled around my words, and um, within within kayfabe, oh dear. Uh, so out with kayfabe, then you are, um, if it's a five minute match and people are spending ages on the ground, it's not it's not the best use of time. It's not um, making a huge amount of sense in terms of keeping the audience engaged. There's no point of like it, it's fine in New Japan when nothing happens in the first five minutes, um, but there's there's just not the the kind of luxury of that kind of that kind of time mm -hmm. in in AEW, if certainly or you know television in general, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean they are doing a TV show, a two hour TV show that runs at like uh, what, cutting out commercials an hour forty or something, mm -hmm. whereas New Japan they have time limits as well, but their shows run two hours straight. You know, obviously there's, there's not really like commercial breaks or anything. I guess they do have intermissions recently, but um, yeah, it's, you know, they're, they don't have time for AEW to like sit in a match. It's more of like, we got to keep it moving to make sure we hit the next thing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, what I think this chart does ultimately show is that the people that are ending up in these um, longer pay-per-view matches do their the, the kind of the offense per hour rate does kind of fall down there because um, a really good example was Kenny Omega had a match against Pac, um, thirty-minute um, Ironman match, and there would have been there were other guys around about that time. That had around 30 minutes of kind of ring time but they weren't none of them had been in kind of long matches mm -hmm. which made kenny omega's um kind of offense power rate uh look quite slow and i think that's that's kind of where these statistics are kind of that's something that needs to be um kept in mind but it does also really highlight the difference between um these two match types in terms of how how the wrestling company is is using their time and when they have the luxury of spreading it out and when when they can't do that i would be really intrigued in seeing uh ring time per match like average ring time per mm, match yeah. compared to Along, this yeah it could go alongside this chart that would that would yeah that would certainly add layers yeah because i um, wonder because obviously like you said like if someone has kenny omega and he has you know he tends to have or just you know look at moxley moxley is someone that because he's the world champion tends to have longer mm -hmm. matches this year as opposed to someone who is uh wardlow who's had yeah maybe eight matches for total of 11 minutes total ring time like mm -hmm. i wonder yeah. if there is any what the correlation would be in there because the idea would be then you for you know if you're it would probably actually be the same if, if in anything. theory yes if if what i'm describing is accurate then yes yeah i think that i think that would make if, sense 
If not, we'll never speak of it again. <laughs> if not, this has been cut out of the podcast. Yes. <laughs> nothing to do with anything. Um, and on that note, we're going to have a quick look at Warhorse versus Cody because it was kind of the most noteworthy of the matches from this last week um, of Dynamite. Um, Ryan, I'm just going to kind of chuck you on the spot here. Do you want to take a little run through these statistics? Yes, I can, Craig. And we should say, we are also recording this on Friday. So mm-hmm. I know there's also, I think there's more New Japan happening over the weekend before this episode comes out on Monday. Uh, so if anything big happened, obviously I think earlier today of time of recording, Craig, there was the Suzuki Nagata match right? that uh-huh. I, we didn't get a chance to watch. Um, but yeah, if that, you know, we'll see how those turn out as well. But for at least in Wednesday night, Cody Rhodes versus Warhorse, a uh, very interesting match. Obviously Warhorse coming from the independent scene, your inner, well, not your internet champion. That was later in the match. Uh, your independent wrestling champion Warhorse arriving on the scene of TNT. Uh, Warhorse uh, pretty much dominates Cody Rhodes when it comes to strikes. You know, it was 25 to 8. The Warhorse has like three strike downs versus Cody Rhodes, too. So fairly even. Warhorse does also have, you know, that strike down rate is 12% versus Cody Rhodes is 25. So not great. You know, Warhorse doesn't have a lot of meat behind those horse bones. <laughs> Ah, uh, well, Cody nice obviously has a lot more uh, grapples. Cody Rhodes, uh, four versus one, won that one. Warhorse made sure he was on top of him all the time when Cody Rhodes jumped out of the ring by diving twice while Cody did not get anything. And we tried to warn Warhorse about this on the internet. We tried tweeting at him before the show happened. But, you know, Cody Rhodes uh, was able to get 49 su- seconds of submission on Warhorse versus warhorse is 37 we tried warning him craig you know watch out for there's been a trend in the past several of these tnt championship matches with cody rhodes getting the uh a lot of submission time in on his opponents he's really been working people's legs you know and so that's Mm -hmm. something we try to warn him and the same thing happened here he did try craig to uh reverse out of it a lot you know it shows here 16 reversals out of warhorse versus cody rhodes 15 he is getting the win there there were several moments in the match where uh, where, for instance, Warhorse uh, was getting the figure four uh, leg lock put on him, but right before Cody can put the leg down, Warhorse like flips him immediately. And then later in the match, he like stops the leg and like tries mm-hmm. to hurt the leg. Like Warhorse saw it coming and tried to fix it, but he ultimately got lost in that uh, endeavor. Uh, Warhorse went for more pin attempts, four to three. Cody Rhodes fouled once. The uh, you know only one foul but it is sort of going into that line of maybe a heel turn uh three taunts from cody versus warhorse is eight obviously that's to me that's not much of a uh surprise seeing that you know he's from the independent scene you know you gotta sell those tickets gotta sell that merch yeah, you wanna be there, you wanna be taunting there was a lot of the kind of uh headbanging yeah, I mean, well, he's a hang headbanger. What can he blame yeah. <laughs> And Cody Rhodes getting the one finisher on Warhorse to finish the match. Uh, Cody Rhodes match offense thirty nine percent versus Warhorse's sixty one. I think that's the largest difference in these TNT matches. Uh, off the top of my head, I would I would certainly guess so. Yeah, I can double check that for us, but I think that's the largest uh, differential match offense with. You know, you you know, even you know, we talk out of kayfabe. Cody gave Cody gave Warhorse quite the shine here. 
which I hopefully <laughs> appeals did, yeah. to all the internet fans. Uh, we already talked about strike down rate, reversal rate. Like I said, Warhorse had 49% reversal rate versus Cody's 33. So like we said, Warhorse came in seemingly prepared, but ultimately mm-hmm. failed, uh, which is sort of upsetting. But, you know, I think he put up quite the fight. Uh, you know, we can look at, should I go into flow of offense or do you have any points to talk about when it comes to these stats? Um, so, well, I, I'm going to very quickly take flow of offense. because So when we look at the flow of offense chart, um, what's really interesting there is the sheer lack of Cody. Yes. Um, Cody Rhodes, before, before the break, so they're trying to get people interested in this match before they cut to break. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they do the picture in picture, but they, they st- you know, that's slightly more risky. You know, people, that might be the time that people duck out. Before the break, Cody Rhodes had attempted three submissions, not not big submissions, um, nine, two nine-second submissions and a three-second submission, and he hit a, a takedown-type grapple. That was it. That was, that was all he hit before a break. Um, Warhorse, in, in contrast, six strikes, a grapple, and two submissions, one of 10 seconds and one of 20. So there's a lot of reversing before before the break. But it was it was very very much set up as warhorse, mm-hmm. and then during the break, Cody hits six strikes. Uh, sorry, seven strikes. One of which is a strike down. Two grapples. One of which um, is an avalanche from the top type grapple. After the break, Cody hits one more grapple, a strike down, uh, twenty second submission, and then his finishing eight second um, figure four. After the break, Warhorse hits like loads of strikes. There's got to be like, ugh, what, like 15, 18 in there, two dives, and a short submission of his own, along with a couple uh, pin attempts. Cody almost didn't like. Cody, if if we subtracted everything that happened in the break from this match, that that 39% of the match offense that Cody got would be so much lower. Yeah. Cody barely got anything in this match out with what happened in the break. It was minimal, absolutely minimal. And people are on are on the internet trying to say that this man is just burying um, the lower down AEW stars and independent wrestlers left, right, and center, which is... I don't know, like, I, I, I get the, the thinking that might take you there, but for me, this match is just the absolute opposite. As somebody I saw on Reddit was saying, you know, why would Warhorse turn up just to get beat by Cody like this? Well, he was on national TV. One. He got 60, excuse me? I was, I just, I'm just counting off. One. <laughs> All right, yeah. Yes, one. Um, got 61% of the offense. Two. Um, his opponent barely gave him any offense on like full screen television. Three. Um, and yet he presumably he gets paid. Four. And the big four, chunk. the big number right there. Yeah. He gets paid well, for it. I mean, number five is like he's making connections. He might eventually, he might eventually get signed. It doesn't seem like at the moment, but his name's there. He's spoken to people. He's very much in the thinking. So like, to say that Warhorse should never turn up for Cody to bury him, I think here is when statistics can hold up a flag and be like, well, actually, um, <laughs> no, X, Y, and Z happened. 
Um, so I, yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting numbers. I, yeah, 100% agree with that is that I, I think it also sort of proves to me, especially if the, you know, before the break, Cody Rhodes barely getting any offense in. I think mm-hmm. that sort of, to me tells the story, you know, taking the, the story from the numbers that Cody Rhodes was not taking Warhorse seriously. I would yeah. argue. I mean, he was on Twitter. He was even saying stuff like that about like, will he even last five minutes with me? Uh, where in this match, you know, it's 10 minutes, 31 seconds. Um, you know, Cody Rhodes gets nothing in. Warhorse just basically dominates the majority of the match. You have, you have two thirds of the match, basically, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, um, absolutely. Cody Rhodes uh, did not, uh, he 100% underestimated Warhorse here. And one could argue, and yeah, maybe that goes into that strike down rate percentage, but one could argue if Warhorse, you know, he's early in his career still uh, in Warhorse. I don't know how long Jake Parnell, the man behind the mask, the man behind the paint has been wrestling, but he, you know, he's still coming. He, this, is, this is the most, he's 27 years old. He has been wrestling since 2013. Uh, so he's only been wrestling for seven years. So he still has ways to grow in his career. And, you know, he, this is from someone that like, Hey, who knows if, you know, next time, next week, if they wrestled again, Cody Rhodes might dominate him a little bit more, but next time Warhorse, you know, let's say a couple years from now, Warhorse puts on a little bit more meat, uh, on that horse body of his, if he, uh, you know, gets more training under his belt, Cody Rhodes obviously has been, you know, the blue blood basically mm-hmm. of this promotion and training from all of the legends. Uh, Warhorse is someone that like, I, I don't, th- I, based on this match, I think that not only did Cody underestimate him, but Warhorse took pure advantage of that underestimation and did all his best. And ultimately mm-hmm. what caused him to lose was that Cody was like, okay, enough is enough. I need to take the, take you seriously as a, a reputable yeah. uh, contender and try to put you away now. Cause if I don't, if I don't focus, I'm going to lose this match. And I think that I, re- I feel like there was a moment where Arn basically said something similar to Cody. And um, there's a bit early on where Cody is doing uh, push-ups and Arn loses it. There we go. I mean, you, you yeah. wh- why are you doing push-ups, buddy? You are, he mm. is killing your butt. He's kicking your ass. There we go. And, and, and on that, and on that note, I've just very quickly fired some numbers through a calculator. Um, so Cody Rhodes hit eight moves during this match out with break. During the break, he hit 14. Um, so that means that, and if we then eliminate, so we eliminate Cody's during commercial um, moves hit and Warhorse's during commercial moves hit, Cody Rhodes would have had 20% of the match <laughs> offense. Oh that's it. Oh my God. Yeah, that's, that's, um, it's really interesting. Um, and I don't know if that's on purpose. I have no idea how much they're laid out. I'm guessing... I, I, would, I would have to think it's on purpose, right? Well, yeah, but probably not to that extreme. Fair, Like I, fair. I think in Cody's head, it's probably like a 60-40 type situation. And mm-hmm. in the end, it was. But I think even he perhaps doesn't... I don't know. I don't know. He may be... I suppose with the picture in picture, you can see it. So, yeah, he's, he's perhaps gone, and, well, my bit will be during the break, and then you get to do this, and you get to do that. So, yeah, actually, you're right. It will be. But, yeah, it's just... Um, there was an interesting bit on, I think it was the Grapple podcast, 
comparing Jericho with Triple H and how Triple H only works with The Undertaker and um, whoever, Batista, all these names. And he's like the same age as Chris Jericho, whereas Chris Jericho is giving stuff to Cassidy and to Jungle Boy. Mm-hmm. And Cody's right there doing the same thing. Yeah. And like it is, it is a good look, and it's it is a hook to get people interested in their TV to be doing this challenge. You know, seeing Warhorse coming in is fascinating. But at the end of the day, um, I I don't believe Warhorse is signing with this promotion now. Probably not in the next three years would be my guess. Agreed. Um, you know, Warhorse is getting a huge amount out of this, and that that does that does go. To, to Cody's credit and to AEW's credit, they like WWE won't even admit that there is wrestling outside of WWE. Mm-hmm. And then here we have Cody and AEW doing almost the exact opposite. And I'm not saying they're not benefiting from it. They are, but they're, they are benefiting giving and giving back as well. And Warhorse gets the rub. He gets the rub of being on no. national TV. People know who he is. People might see him and be like, Oh, that guy's cool. I want to see more of his stuff. And then you log on to YouTube, you type in Warhorse full match or whatever, mm-hmm. and there is a large plethora of of Warhorse matches. On the episode that came out last Friday for Hit the Books, the Mikey uh, during the show realized that like oh he like quickly was like logging into Independent Wrestling TV, uh, and he was like oh there's an article on the front page that's like oh Warhorse watch all of Warhorse's titles defenses for free you can go right now to independentwrestling.tv not a promotion but you can mm-hmm. go there right now and watch all of warhorse's matches that he's had to defend his internet or independent wrestling championship like i don't we don't have the data of that obviously i don't know if it's going to be published anytime soon but i imagine there since warhorse's uh, arrival and also announcement i guess of being on aew the traffic on independentwrestling.tv has probably gone up um, so yeah, um, we're gonna we're gonna move on from Warhorse versus Cody, um, and I'd just like to take a very quick look at the kind of the AEW League table rankings that I've been collating. And yeah. um, this is um, which he's this- been doing at ProWrestlingMusings.com, which you can check out uh, <laughs> currently. I guess at any time, not currently. You just check it out at any moment. Yes, yes, and I've I've been getting better at keeping this chart up to date. Um, it's being done weekly, usually before the end of Friday. Um, so yeah, it should it should update. And if it doesn't, if if you know if it doesn't, and you're really eager to see what last week's dynamite has done to these numbers, if you um, if you were to message me on Twitter, I'd be delighted that somebody was actually looking at it, looking at it, and probably do it pronto. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is this is like. This is in relation to AEW's suggestion that they are a sports-centric company and the idea of rankings and wins and losses mattering. As soon as you say that to me, a British football fan, I'm like, ooh, it's going to be like league tables. And ultimately, it's probably not, but um, this is an interesting resource and it certainly does highlight um, how strongly certain people are being booked and how strongly certain people are not being booked. Um, if you go to the website, you can see all 139 people that have appeared on AEW this year across um, six divisions that I split them up into overall, male overall, female overall, male singles, female singles, and male tag. Um, but Ryan and I are just going to be looking at the top 25 from overall 
the two singles divisions and the tag just now. Um, so overall, we have... I'm just going to fire through maybe like the top 10. So it kind of goes Omega, Moxley, Cody, Sheeta, Page, Archer, MJF, Rose, Nick Jackson, Stu Grayson. And um, you'll be able to see this on the PW Musings Twitter page for uh, if you're walking around whilst listening to this or the website if you want to look for the full thing. Or if um, you're watching this on YouTube, which you can every week when this episode comes yes. out on YouTube, hit the books podcast on YouTube. Um, Ryan, overall league standings, what, what jumps out for you? Who's 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 not there? Who is there? Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I mean, thinking it over, I mean, obviously there's, you know, the people at the bottom of that lit, that, that nine and 10, Nick Jackson, Stu Grayson, obviously they're, they're broken up because of, you know, this is overall. Uh, It's interesting that they're, they are there. Stu Grayson obviously had more matches than his counterpart in Uno and Nick Jackson. Did he have more matches than Matt Jackson in 2020? I guess so. Um, Nick Jackson, so Nick Jackson is ahead of Matt Jackson because he's lost less. When he was injured, Matt Jackson lost like a multi-man match. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Um, in the top 10 at the very least, uh, nothing too surprising. Um, you know, Omega being... Omega, I think maybe Omega being number one is the <clears throat> most surprising to me, uh, especially yeah. above Moxley, above Cody, above Sheeta. Um, so that's that's quite new. He's been up and around there the whole time. Yes. Um, Moxley has usually been ahead of him, and every time Kenny Omega kind of catches up, Moxley would jump. Um, Moxley being off for the second time when Renee Young had COVID, Kenny Omega had won a couple of matches, and essentially that's why he's at top and Moxley's not. Yeah, that was that was going to be my theory was that mm-hmm. uh, Omega was here while Moxley was gone for the COVID stuff at the very beginning. And then also the Renee COVID stuff there. And and then above Cody, Cody's beginning of his year compared to Omega's beginning of the year, I think was a little bit worse than Omega. Um, Mm. So I think that I get, yeah, that, that all makes sense now that you explain it. Um, I mean, nothing too like looking at this, even looking at the rest of the top five, nothing too. I mean, Allie being up there is yeah weird. I was gonna but point that out. <laughs> Allie being up there is weird, but also she is, you know, she's been doing a lot of stuff on Dark. Um, yeah, and they're they're put really pushing that women's tag division, especially going to the tournament coming up. Um, so Ali Ali is four for four, um, and that's four tag matches with Brandy. That's all she's done this year in terms of in the ring, but that is enough to put her 16th yeah. in the overall charts. Hey, I mean, she's undefeated. Well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> in a way, it, it's weird. It's weird because it's, it's Ali. She wasn't really a player at all at the end of 2019. Um, I mean, even even the, even when the promotion started, they kind of pushed her as a, in the forefront, but she wasn't really a player at all. Um, and now she's kind of, you know, she's been teaming for, with Brandy the past couple weeks. So her, she's four for four. You got to give her at the very least that. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's obviously people missing here like Pac, who you would expect. Mm-hmm. But obviously he is 2020 has been put on pause. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of other wrestlers that might be missing from here, but there's not really. Yeah, I don't. I mean, there's not really. You'd like to see more women, I'd suggest. I agreed. Um, we just spoken about that. Ali. She's the third highest woman on the list. And the only other two that are in the top 25 are the champion and Nyla Rose. 
Yeah, and I think that really speaks to the, I mean, at least for 2020, it's a little bit different, but yeah, in the, in the full scope of AEW, their women's division being, I don't want to say bad because a lot of it has been just, mm-hmm. they got screwed over by just outstanding uh, issues, you know, wh- whether it be yeah. Brit being injured, whether it be uh, COVID mm-hmm. happening, um, whether it be, uh, you know, the, the list goes on and on, but mm-hmm. uh, there's so many things that have happened or failed to happen with the women's division. So I can't blame them too much. I mean, someone that probably would have been on here is Britt Baker. I mean, yes. I'll, but obviously she's injured. So it's, and it's been a whole thing for the women's division, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I would love to see more women, but you know, they're still pushing people and they're not giving the women enough time when it comes to dynamite. I know they're giving them a lot of matches on dark, but even then, yeah, I mean, it's slightly better on dark, but yeah, I think the women, I mean, we've, we've spoken about this before. I think, um, they're being admirable in trying to spotlight Joshi wrestlers, but then COVID obviously means that they can't travel. And mm. two really bad injuries. Um, but at the end of the day, oh, they're all... Statlander, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then at the end of the day, they're struggling to fill a top five rankings yeah. for the whole women's division, which there, you know, you can make excuses, but they um, also do need to improve um, there. And... Um, Moving on to the male singles, um, I'll rattle off the top 10 again. It is Cody, Moxley, Archer, MJF, Sean Spears, Scorpio Sky, um, Wardlow, Brian Cage, Kenny Omega, and then Brody Lee. Um, same same kind of idea again, Ryan. I, For me, I'm going to go first here. I'm kind of highlighting that Sean Spears, Scorpio Sky, and Wardlow yeah. are all in the top five kind of non-champions there yet are not included um in the rankings what would you think of that kind of idea it's weird right because if you're someone that just just watches dynamite and doesn't watch dark you look at this <clears throat> list and you're like yeah. why the why the hell is spears sky and wardlow so high uh, yeah. it doesn't make any sense but you know since uh, sort of starting a singles run on Dark, Scorpio Sky has picked up a lot of wins. Wardlow, mm-hmm. obviously, he's Wardlow. He's going to pick up wins. Spears, uh, he has a, a glove that helps mm. him get wins. So that's good for him. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's weird to look at, but you have to like contextualize that like, hey, Dark uh, also greatly matters. And I think that's... I, I think that might be something to say about... Uh, I mean, I I have I've I've I can say about myself I've run behind on dark uh, immensely. You know, you sort of complained I, about it on Twitter I, as well that it's yeah. at twelve matches. I love twelve matches for free, but you know, an hour and a half. I've I'm already busy. I can't just sit down and watch all these matches. Um, yeah, I'd I'd rather take like three or four more interesting matches, like less less unsigned. There, there was a match between um, Christopher Daniels and Sonny Kiss a few weeks back. Yeah, that was great. Great. They were they were just like, they were obviously just going for it. It was a great, great match. And I really enjoyed it. Um, but like, I'm, I'm less interested in Scorpio Sky beating a different jobber every week. Yeah. Like, give, me, give me Scorpio Sky versus Kip Sabian. That should be dark. Yeah. Um, 
and that, that's something to say about they've changed dark to to enhance the number of matches you know obviously they're yeah. doing shorter matches which is in terms of like business covid st- world standing mm-hmm. it's really nice that aew is using up a lot of independent talent that is currently yeah. not making any other money because of how wrestling is in the covid world today it's really nice that they're able to uh you know take i don't want to say take advantage because that's not correct but you know be able to get those people on and give them wrestling uh and have learn a little bit under their learning tree to enhance their ability and getting more reps in and stuff that's great but at the end of the day you know i feel like there was a bte bit about this where it's like they're in a way they're kind of padding the numbers a little bit right they're you got sean spears beating up a bunch of uh serpenticos and 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 uh, chico adams and you know all these people it's like who it's like who are these people so i don't know how i feel about it it's one of those things that like when it comes to standings you're padding the numbers a bit mm-hmm. but like the quality of wins are like well these are beating people that are just just kind of dudes i guess yeah, and people people will say that like a ranking system is difficult to manage to maintain stories, but like sports leagues do it the whole time, and you 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 know where your team is in the league, and you know where they'll be if they win the match, and that's interesting. It is, and I I I've got a lot of time for like you know Scorpio Sky is sixth if he beats Darby Allen on Dynamite. Now he's in the top five. Great, that's for me as somebody that likes sports and likes wrestling. I find that really interesting. I've always liked the idea. You pitched this like way early in the show, but I've uh-huh. always loved the idea of having Dark be like a relegation league. Yeah, yeah. Again, that's that's football, that's sports, that you know, that that works too, or have like because then you could have you could have a separate dark standings, you know, separate dark league standings that are like, hey, you know, we're all fighting each other and whatnot, and whoever gets high on that list. You know, maybe they have a match on Dynamite. And then on Dynamite, they, they ha- since it's separate. Sorry, I'm being rude. They're essentially okay. doing that already. Just it's not. But they're like, it would be intriguing if, you know, Scorpio Sky is on Dynamite for tag, but but he's dropped down to Dark to try and make it as a singles guy. Yeah. And that, you know, he and that's his choice was to relegate down as a single mm-hmm. star. And yeah. then when he, you know, he dominates Dark, he gets to move on, graduate into mm-hmm. uh, Dynamite proper. And, you know, hope maybe challenge Cody for the TNT belt. And I think, yeah, that would be a great spot. Put Cody versus Scorpio Sky there. Scorpio Sky has been built up for weeks. He'll be a great person to take TNT championship off of Cody. Yeah. And like, and these, like these statistics that, you know, you, you can, the um, AEW collate, I've been doing it myself to try and create something interesting. Um, Scorpio Sky has won six matches in a row. And that's, you know, that's that's part of that story. You know, he's on a roll. He's won six in a row on Dark. Now we're bringing up to Dynamite and he's going to take on, you know, whomever, Jake Hager, not Jake Hager, but, you know, somebody, somebody interesting, um, Jungle Boy, whatever. And then, you know, then you've got a match with Stakes and yeah, um, it can be a good wrestling match. I, I don't know. Um, I, I want more of the sports stuff rather than less um, personally. I'm going to shift us along, Ryan, to yep. the female singles that we, we've we spoken about briefly. Um, we've got Sheeta Rose, Swole, Ford, Abaddon. 
Um, awesome Kong is still there in sixth place. One match, one win. Britt Baker, Yuka Sakazaki, Mel, and Chris Statlander being your top 10. Riho coming in in 11th, uh, the former champion. And um, the big thing that for me sticks out is Hikaru Shida on 14 points and um, 15 wins, one loss. Second place, Nyla Rose on four points, six two. It's, it's, um, it's a it's a runaway. This is um, this is what one might suggest is the Italian um, Serie A or the German Bundesliga. Uh, Bayern Munich and Juventus are running away with it. I don't know the the American equivalent for that. Um, I do apologize. I shrug my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's um, we've got a dom- dominant kind of individual ru- kind of far and above ahead of everyone else. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've talked about it before. COVID had a real impact specifically on the women's division. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember, because it's obviously been a little bit, but I believe that the women that they had available during that block of uh, COVID tapings in Atlanta, Georgia, was mm-hmm. Sheeta, Ford, Baker. Statlander. Statlander. Maybe, was, was Big Swole there? No, it was just the four of them because they did, uh, they did, they did a tag match, and they may have done a fatal four way, but I'm almost certain it was just that four. Well, then even then, I mean, obviously, you know, they they're building up a Karashita, and that that was point of that. A lot of that was to build up a Karashita to face Nyla Rose, and I think that's obviously why her 14 points is a huge number there. But then you look at everything else, and like you know, if they had Ford and they had Baker, who then got injured. They had mm-hmm. Chris, who also then got injured. Like, why are their numbers not a little bit higher to me? I think that's weird. Um, and then obviously, you know, the the latter half of this this graph is all like dark talent, yeah, uh, who are just losing apparently. Um, yeah, I mean, this is sort of it's sort of frustrating to me to look at this and just be like, who's the next challenger? I mean, and that and maybe that's a great reason for them to start this tag tournament because to you know to basically distract from everything until they get a new challenger because you know the new challenger right off the bat would be like uh nyla rose she's number one in aew she's Mm -hmm. number one here that's gonna be it but then like you got big swole and a feud of Britt baker so she's distracted nyla rose is a former champion so i don't know if that makes the most sense ford just lost abaddon mate is abaddon the next challenger you know, it's just, it's one of those things where it's just like I don't really know. Also, why why hasn't also Kong come back to AEW? And um, she was she was away for filming Glow. I don't know when that finishes or um. It seems like she's been away for a while though. Um, but yeah. perhaps it was a case of filming Glow and then COVID and that. So I, I yeah yeah. I mean, COVID probably put a halt on uh filming Glow, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. Does could she not come back to maybe I guess she has a contract where she can't go and wrestle during the filming of Glow because she can't come she back. Injured. Yeah, I, I guess injury would be the big issue there. But like, you know, I mean, let's get some awesome Kong. Let's maybe that that would be a great challenger. Just have her come back as a one off for Sheeta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, she's she's um she's you know that she wouldn't be out. If, you could almost get away with that for like a once off 
Yeah, or and maybe even just a match. I don't know. We might. I don't know. Yeah, maybe not a title shot. And to be fair, of course, if Awesome Kong, because of code reason, does not cannot come or does not feel comfortable coming, that's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, oh, I also want to say uh, it's also hilarious that Yuka Sakazaki is at number eight, uh, where I'm sure you've noticed this in the past several weeks, where on the AEW rankings, she was listed uh, for a very long time. I think she just got off the AEW rankings maybe like two, three weeks ago. Yeah. She hasn't wrestled yeah. since before COVID, and she was there the entire time. Like It's like yeah. they thought... It feels like they thought that COVID be over faster so that they can bring Yuka back as a challenger. Like, I don't know what's happening there. I mean, even then, like, um, two matches, one and one, even even before COVID, it wasn't it wasn't a good record to be on the rankings. Exactly. And even even now, like until this week, they'd had um Statlander and Baker on the rankings, mm-hmm. even though they were both injured mm-hmm. quite a while ago. Um, and uh, Baker is still there at number four, Abaddon having just knocked um, Statlander off the ranking. So it's, yeah, they are, they're, they're, uh, I they don't know. They got a lot of issues. Not, yeah, they're not in a good position in terms of um, women's rankings. And I have to say, um, Diamante didn't really, uh, she didn't win a fan out of me, I'm afraid. She, I, you know, best will in the world. I kind of wanted something to come from her and Ivelisse having that match, but. Um, I thought Ivelisse was good actually, but yeah, um, it didn't. It just didn't go anywhere in the end. Yeah. Um, going somewhere though, we will move over. Last thing we're going to talk about today, tag team division. We'll kind of go through it quite quickly. Um, to no one's surprise, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega are number one, eleven and eleven now. Um, number two is the best friends, seventeen and so twelve and seventeen. Um, Dark Order third, FDR, Young Bucks, Natural Nightmares are still there. Janelle and Kiss, Jurassic Express, SCU, and uh, coming in at number ten is the Gun Club. Um, yeah, baby, one and one. Um, but yeah, though uh, underneath that, it's zeros, minus one, minus two, etc. And the Initiative coming in, drop dead bottom, negative nine. Who are the Initiative? And the initiative is the name for Cutler and Avalon. It was just, the name was just debuted on Dark. Apparently, it's something to do with Dungeons and Dragons. You get the initiative if you roll something. Oh, yeah. Craig, fun fact. Uh, I'm a big fan of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, I have uh, never, I've never played, unfortunately. I, I had a whole podcast on, down, on doing Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Oh. Uh, yeah, oh. no, initiative is basically when you're going to, uh, when it's like you're going, entering combat mode, you roll a right. d20, but however high your number is, and plus the modifier, is when you can attack in the order of play. Okay. Um, if I can best exam that. I, I love that they're still bottom, though. <laughs> uh yeah i mean this 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 leg standing not too surprising for me best friends was the only tag team that was available during that atlanta taping for AEW. so one of the reasons why they got a title shot is because hey look they are shooting at the rankings because they're the only ones having matches dark order just lost Mm -hmm. um i think i think to me the better idea and what this really shows to me is who left can ultimately challenge be an interesting new Mm -hmm. match for hangman page and and kenny omega those people being obviously ftr and the young bucks 
Yeah, yeah. I, they, they or Janelle and Kiss. <laughs> Let's not forget yeah. Janelle and Kiss. Yeah, only because they haven't. Yeah, I, exactly. It, it seems it seems looking at at these numbers right now that the the Kenny Omega Handman Page title run might have to come to an end. Um, I don't know when you do that. My guess is all out. Yeah. Um, which is the next destination. Um, yeah, you they lose they lose there, and then what you do. Um, Page Omega at full gear, something like that. That's, I mean, um, that's not bad. Yeah, I, I, you know, long term storytelling is good, but it, it has been a long time now, and maybe it, it's time we start thinking about wrapping it up. And then, you know, FTR champions perhaps at all out, and then Young Bucks Revolution next year, something, something like that. Yeah, I think. I think you're right in saying that I think Page and Omega is starting to run its course. I mm-hmm. it really feels like all out is when they will lose. And, you know, great yeah. run of the tiles to begin with, you know, constant mm-hmm. defenses all the time. But yeah, I think, you know, especially with the bubbling waterness of Page and FTR being a sort of thing, you know, mm-hmm. if you spin off if you know that is what ultimately causes their team to lose at all out, FTR wins or Bucks wins, whoever wins or whoever's challenging, whatever. Then you have, you know, you could do a fun match of Page and FTR versus Omega and the Young Bucks. That's, you know, that's a pay-per-view match in my book. I think a lot of um, the people that are following the product, um, you know, that are not within the term of casuals, you know, would, would point towards the, this tag team story or these tag team stories as being, you know, the thing. Yes, this is probably the most prevalent story in the entire of AEW and ironically enough I think it's uh what has been least hurt by COVID um yeah. you know obviously yeah. we, we we already spoke about the women's division even the men's division you know Moxley was gone for so long and then he was gone again because of uh his wife mm-hmm. um you know we're here you know Omega was still at the Atlanta tapings, then we're building up the best friends, makes sense there. And then as soon as we get out and we get Paige back, pretty much weekly title matches yeah. coming out of them. I, I, you know, I think it makes sense. You know, who, who comes out after that? I think you're right. I think it could be FTR winning it all out. Then maybe spinning off into something at revolution, maybe Paige versus Omega. Maybe it's that six man. And then eventually young bucks FTR, I think makes sense. I think, you know, I think it's a good idea to put the tiles on FTR on the next pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I think that takes us to the end of the show, Ryan, unless there's anything else you want to add or look at. Yeah, I mean, uh, thank you so much for hosting this one. I think it was, mm-hmm. you did a good job, Craig. Uh, I was on the, the other side of the table for this one. Uh, so it's it 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 weird, but, you know, we're, we're flipping things up, like you said, flipping things on its head to sort of... Uh, you know, change up the format of the show every once in a while without changing it too much. I think mm-hmm. it worked. I liked it a lot. Um, things for me to plug, I guess. You can always follow me on Twitter at HitTheBooksPod uh, or on my private thing, which is at Ryan Nightsey. But it's not private. You can just you can just follow it. I mean, I'm, I don't tweet mm-hmm. often, so you can go there if you want. Um, so at HitTheBooksPod, of course, you can go there. We have all, all stuff. I talk about wrestling all the time. Uh, and really dive in and complain about uh, people being incorrect about WWE's ability to make stars, which is a fight I got into earlier this week. Um, 
what else uh and of course subscribe to this podcast channel uh whether it be youtube whether it be the podcast feed itself subscribe we also got the other show on here that i do with mikey who was the guest last week called hit the books basically the show is it's kind of like gm mode but more realistic stakes and a more realistic world um you know we're not bringing in the young bucks we're not bringing in ftr if if you know when the covid firings happen if someone got fired they were cut from our roster um mm-hmm. you know we're, we're trying to keep it as realistic as what's happening um you know it, it's basically gmo it's basically every single week i will present my version of monday night raw mikey will present his version of friday night smackdown and we'll basically uh show them to each other and whoever has the better card gets voted on by the listeners on twitter and uh you know, we then like roll a thing afterwards and the loser could have, like we said, real stakes. The loser could basically have to change their entire card right on the spot. They have to maybe cut a match. Uh, I might, you know, if, if they're Mikey's the loser, I could win a NXT call up. Um, if, if Mikey's the loser, like I could injure one of his wrestlers for like six months, uh, realistic things happen, you know. We have a wellness policy violation, or whatever. So go check out that show. Uh, I think we're doing a great job. We've been basically writing. Actually, this upcoming show. Now I think about it, Craig, is our two-year anniversary for doing Hit the Books. Oof, so we've been time. we've been doing it for quite a while, and we got a whole backlog which you can check out at htbpod.com. You know that'll read up on our archive, but. Uh, yeah, it's been doing it for a long time, and I think we, you know, we've we've sort of proven that idea of like, hey, you know, if you get people that watch wrestling and understand how wrestling works, they can write good stuff. And I feel like Mikey and I write good stuff, so go check that out if you're interested. Um, perfect. So, um, yeah, uh, again, please check out ProWrestlingMusings.com for all the numbers, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Some really good articles from people coming on there. Um, we've got um, Chester with... Um, some kind of maybe more of the detailed rating stuff that I've ever seen. Um, what else do we have? Um, Dan is going to be writing about Warhorse and Cody this week, and there should be another set of AW statistically um, statistically inspired ratings from Griff as well. Yeah. Um, so that's all this week from... Um, wrestling with statistics for ryan and myself thank you very much for listening bye